0: Typical 55, you take a data entry job at your mother's medical billing business as the last of your money is gone, Bloomsbury USA sends a rejection for your new novel, the one about the scavenger hunt, and the tilt-a-whirl finally, finally, finally comes to a rest. An intern in Washington, D.C. goes missing and a congressman from her district in California is questioned. The actor Robert Blake's wife is found murdered in the passenger seat of his car. He ran back into the Italian restaurant where they dined to retrieve his gun, which had fallen out of his jacket. To put a coda on the thing with Publishers Weekly, you go on a local radio morning show and announce that you're donating all the royalties from We Are So Famous to a local literacy group. It comes out that Robert Blake's wife would send nude photos of herself to men as a means of supporting herself. She also ran ads in magazines seeking companionship and then asking men for money, which supported her lifestyle and gave her enough money to move to Los Angeles to pursue a film career that didn't pan out, though it allowed her access to celebrities, including Marlon Brando's son, whom she wrote to in prison after he was convicted of killing his sister's husband, After his release, she began dating Brando's son, though she was also dating Robert Blake. And when she became pregnant, she thought the child was Brando's son's, but a paternity test revealed it was Blake's. He married her and moved her and the child into the guest house of his home. The local paper, the Phoenix New Times, publishes an in-depth profile about you, which your friends see And you stop to wonder if your old high school girlfriend now married sees it too. And all of that feels like a lifetime ago. You bounce back to New York city and drive with friends up to Bennington for an alumni weekend and feel some love for your novel, which though it's recently published, feels like another time period. You marvel at the fact that it's been only four years since you graduated You spend a couple of days on Cape Cod with your Bennington friend from Boston and his family, his father, the former dean of Harvard, taking in that your friend and his family have been like a second family to you through the years of bouncing between New York and Boston, and you feel wistful on the flight back to Phoenix. Bloomsbury publishes the British edition of We're So Famous, and there are some nice notices. You receive an email out of the blue from a record producer in London asking for your address, and a few weeks later an envelope arrives with a British copy of your novel signed by Bananarama. After denying it for months, the congressman from the district of the disappeared intern admits that he was having an affair with her, but that he knows nothing about what happened to her. Madonna announces her first tour in over a decade, the Drowned World Tour. And you think that about says it all. You convince the band Fuzzy who appears in We're So Famous to go on a tour of colleges with you in the fall and set about using your ample free time looking at maps, calculating costs, locating cheap hotels. The idea that the tour will coincide with the start of the fall semester inspires you to contact some college English departments for help in arranging appearances. But because it's summer, you don't get a lot of feedback, and the idea of touring college campuses fizzles. You're chagrin to learn that the film rights to your novel are being shopped selectively when a small producer asks for a copy, and your Hollywood agent won't send it, or even consider the producer. The populist in you fires up, and with the help of your brothers, you create a listing on eBay offering up the film rights to we're so famous to the highest bidder. You also fax all the production companies in Hollywood and beyond about the auction. Your Hollywood agent calls enraged, demanding that you halt what you're up to. But you don't listen. Don't care. There's nothing anyone can say at this point that will influence how you behave. The singer Aaliyah is killed when her private plane is overloaded with people and equipment and drops into the ocean right after takeoff. The last episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood airs. The Monday you targeted for the start of your college campus tour passes. And you're spent all out of ideas for promoting yourself and your novel. And then the unreal becomes real when you wake up the following morning. And your father says there's been an aviation accident in New York City. And you watch the city you love. The only real home you've ever known. Crumble and burn. And people stop thinking about themselves, at least for the moment, while the man who gave away all those free gumballs so long ago is put in charge of retaliating against those who ruined that part of New York and a lot of people's lives forever. But it doesn't take long for everyone to wonder how long is appropriate before it is okay to resume the intense investigation of the insignificant and welcome the comfort of the trivial back into our lives. You've been listening to Typical of the Times, Growing Up in the Culture of Spectacle, by Jamie Clark.